And we're live. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Um, how am I doing? I'm actually processing a lot. So um, I am like alive, but I'm processed a lot from just getting back um, from home in California and um, having things to finish up here in Atlanta and um, also what it was like being with family and um, also waking up from <laughs> from sleep to someone mentioning me on, on a call out post. And so I'm just processing all of that, child. Um, yeah, but but I'm okay. Do you have a song in your heart or spirit? Mm, no. Yeah. You know what? You know what? The song I won't complain is is in my it, it just dropped on me. <laughs> but I just I wanted to be, I wanted to give I will complain. Period. Um yeah, and I don't I also don't know how the fucking lyrics go. So I, I'ma just forego I, that. But just had good day. Good yeah. day. I've had some hills to climb I've had some weary days and some sleepless nights but when I I look around mm-hmm. and I think things over all of my good days outweigh my bad days and still I I will complain yeah very bad <laughs> very bad mm-hmm I just can't see the road yeah yeah. I yeah. ask these Sometimes. questions why? Yeah. Why Period. so many sleepless nights? But when I, I look around, yeah, and I think things over all of these old good days mm-hmm. outweigh most of my bad days and I, I still gonna complain yes Ooh, I'll complain even though he's been good to me okay that's you gotta just oh yes lord somebody being good everything's being good does not mean you can't complain about some shit hello and just because you're naming your actual experience don't mean that you're so like there's this connotation to complaining as if what you're saying is meaningless or it's frivolous to mention the ways in which you are being impacted by something um but it's not I respect all people's ability and right to name their experience, even if it's not reflective of what my experience was, right? You should be able to express yourself. Um, So I think 
Yeah, that's a good song. Um, and I've actually been thinking about that song because somebody said that to me, like, oh, I don't really want to complain. And I'm like, child, if that's what you need to do, don't do it. Um, but yeah, um, I'm excited to hear about you and give you give the people your um practices, your more tangible things on how to respond to like centering yourself as a fat black person. Um, I'm really excited about that. And I really want the people to be able to get access to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to encourage again, the saints in the chat to, if there's something you want to complain about, if there's something you want to celebrate, if there's something that you just want to say, just because go ahead and name that in the chat. Um, that feels like a delicious, really, really delicious segue into our conversation today about, our individual practices for centering ourselves as fat, black, queer, and trans folks. Um, so I, I want to start right there. Um, as someone, and we, I mentioned that the last time we were talking, you know, as someone that was raised in the culture in a culture where the social script was very much so bypass, suppress, reject, the the feelings that were emerging, the hardship that you're going through, um, it feel it it is um, such important healing work for me to no matter how minute and sometimes it'd be annoying to me, so I know it'd be annoying other niggas, but no matter how small and in fact, especially the small things. Um, harnessing those as opportunities to name the feeling that I'm having, to attune to what, what the fuck is this that's going on? And maybe, and, and oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes it's something that I feel that maybe I cannot even find what the language is for, but just taking a beat and saying, I feel something. And it is disrupting my ability to either be present in this moment, um, to give you a response, an answer to your question. Um, yeah, and just allowing myself to be with whatever that disruption is. Um, and I find again and again that honoring that disruption as opposed to suppressing it or dissociating past it or whatever other um, tools we have been socialized into using that um, require us to ignore our body, ignore the feelings and the signs and the signals that it's giving us. Um, the better and better and the closer and closer I inch towards um, being able to honor what my needs are, what I'm feeling, what I'm desiring for myself. Um, so yeah, complaining, like what I'm also doing in that is, um, allowing myself to pause, to feel, to give myself spaciousness, to figure out what, um, what the feeling is trying to alert me to, um, which has been an interesting, um, just an interesting space because I've been thinking uh, over the last year, I've been thinking a lot about what are 
how do I know when I'm like in my flow as a person who has a movement practice, as a person who spends a lot of time doing work with my body, what are the like signs that I, for, for me to be like, oh, I've, I've found a flow for myself. And one of them is that I close my eyes. And an interesting thing about that, as someone who was raised in the church, um, yeah, doing solos as a child and even as an adult um, to really, I, I really knew I was in my bag when my eyes were closed. Um, and uh, I sang in a, um, on a praise team in college and the praise lead um, was this guy named Jared and he would always make fun of me. He would be like, well, we, yeah, once Janae goes in, them eyes gonna be hard shut. So I guess we just got to do some audio cues for her if she's leading the song um, because she's not going to see <laughs> my visual cues. Um, and I've just been sitting with that a lot because that is also, as I'm, again, attuning more and more to what I need, what my body uh, what the signals and signs that my body is sending me, oftentimes when it's, when I'm trying to attune to those things, I'm needing to close my eyes. I'm needing to separate myself from the other stimuli outside of the world, outside of my brain and heart and body to figure out what the fuck is it that I'm feeling? What the, where the fuck is it that I need to locate myself at to then be able to communicate it? Um, so I think a lot of just attuning and, and slowing down, which I often feel very self-conscious about. Like I, uh, yeah, I feel very self-conscious about being a person for which like, the emotions that I'm feeling are not readily accessible. Like I, I have to take time. I have to take a few minutes. I have to take a day, whatever it may be, um, to locate, to connect a feeling to, uh, or like a, a bodily sensation to an emotional feeling and then an emotional feeling to a need. And then that need to communicating it with someone. Like there's so many pieces that, that take, what feels like an inordinate amount of time um, to connect and communicate for me. And also what, I, what I'm learning by, by just surrendering to that process over and over again is that it benefits me so much more than, you know, conceding to the feelings of shame because I feel like my process is too long or it inconveniences folks. Um, because what I'm actually doing and not like carrying out my process is inconveniencing myself and my needs. So that is one, one approach that I take to centering my needs. Yeah. How about you? Period. Um, for me, I think because my lived experience is, or has been a lot of like, giving myself to community at sometimes at my own expense or to community members who actually don't understand my humanity have never thought deeply about how to show up or care for me and this is like intimate community as well as like society right because we give ourselves to both sometimes simultaneously um so yeah my best practice has been 
really doing like inventory on my community in a way that's like, how are the people that I love actually showing up for me? Like that's a part of me centering myself because it means that I'm acknowledging that I deserve care. And I'm listen, you have really dropped some gems in these lives. Um, and one of them for sure that has stuck with me and will always stick with me, um, memory willing, is I have met Nita Silla Nita met. And so am I making sure I'm getting my needs met um, in a way that's not exploiting other people, harming other people um, directly? I try indirectly. I mean, we we work for systems and and they harm folks. You're right. I'm trying to make sure I, I'm always trying to make the most ethical decision. Sometimes I feel that. But when I'm thinking about the people who are in my intimate circle, right? Are these people showing up for me? Are they making my life easier um, to some degree? Are they adding to my life, to my joy? Are they holding me accountable? Are they like, you know what? Love you. And I need to tell you that the way that you said this or the way that you approached this did not make me feel good. And I did not like that. Um, <laughs> and, and that, you know, that they're getting also what they deserve and what they need from me. Um, so yeah, I said doing what I wrote down for my notes is that doing the unlearning work is community work, right? When we we're talking about unlearning white supremacy, unlearning anti-Blackness, unlearning these systems of oppression to make the lives of those who are especially impacted by these systems is that that is not a silo alone work. I must do that in community. If community is a reflection of society and society harms me that the work that community must do to unlearn those systems is community work and so I need community in order to do that work and so I'm centering myself in that like not just advocating for the people that I really love that I care about the demographics that I care deeply for but on myself right is making sure that I choose and hold accountable my community um, so that's one. I said, if it took a society to teach you, it's going to take one to embody that. Uh, embodiment is important because while we may know things in theory, praxis is another thing. Um, there are some things that I understand in theory that I don't necessarily resonate with in practice, right? Um, so yeah, I think for me, that has been one strong tool in centering myself. And I know that that work has been helpful to my mental and emotional health because health, because um, my friends reflect back to me that I deserve care, that I deserve to be centered, that I deserve good things, and that there's something other than my exhaustion, other than my depletion that is helpful to them, right? That it doesn't require that in order for me to feel good, in order for me to be in relationship with them, to be in proximity to them, that my friends can hold me accountable without, um, yeah, trying to traumatize me or dehumanize me, that they could say, I really just didn't appreciate what was said, or this is how what you said or what you did impacted me. Let's talk about how we can move through that together. So that's one thing for sure is really taking stock of my community in an intentional way um, because I am worthy. And I also understand like it's it's fuck capitalism 
And it's the language that we all know. And sometimes we get, you know, they say the master's tools will not destroy the master's house, but maybe it'll make a fucking dent in it. Okay. Um, (laughs) Because I think sometimes in these moments when we're talking about systems of harm, I do find using that language to like reground me in what it is that I need. So like, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but yes, um, I would say if I'm thinking about a second thing, it is also um, really finding and honing in on my language to be able to express myself as you discussed and what you said, like, what is my need and how am I going to express that to another person in a way that they understand? If we all understand capitalism, then that might have to be the analogy or the language that I'm using while, but I'm using it in a way um, to combat the system that is often centered around dehumanizing people like me, but I'm using it actually to humanize myself. So in a way of reclamation. So those are some things. Yeah. Yeah, when I think about what happens next for me after I've sort of located a feeling Sometimes I I think I often find the the one of the greatest barriers between I have a feel between like noticing, oh, I have a feeling somewhere in my body, something's happening. I don't feel comfortable. Something is yeah, some somebody, something is trying to tell me something. And then <laughs> the bridge to here is what it was trying to tell me that I need. Um and I think one thing that I am um, one thing that I am trying to, and I, I think I'll have more insight in a few months um, because this like moment of conflict with a loved one is just like sort of ending. Um, but what where we landed was that both of us just desired to to be close to one another. Both of us felt really distant from each other. Both of us felt each other sort of um, slipping farther and farther away from each other. And the ways that we approached communicating that, the barriers in the way of being able to identify that were so vast, so expansive. Um, and I'm just like really curious about how in the future, like what tools I will have to be able to better identify like what what the fuck my needs are. Um, because it it this is some conflict that lasted for six fucking months. <laughs> and literally niggas was just like, I want to spend time with you both of us um yeah so I I think I'm I'm that's there's no like concrete anything there it's just like that is a question that's swirling a lot for me and like I'm really hopeful so I'm looking for a therapist again for the nine billionth time in my life um but I really hope that that is a a tool that a, a skilled therapist will be able to offer me um, of how to identify, how to connect the feelings that emerge with the need that it is trying to alert me to. Um, yeah. 
I appreciate you naming that because when I watch um, and watching things is helpful to me because it's just a different view. And sometimes, you know, being on the outside of looking at other people's situations sometimes can help you look inwards to your situations. You know, you see people behave in a way that you do and you go, ooh. Mm-hmm. Hey, I hate to say it, but that's what I do. Um, so I really enjoy actually watching like there's a couple therapy show. Um, and and I don't watch dating shows before um my roommate, you know, told me about them and we watch them together. But they're also really helpful, like even sociological kind of like mm, viewings. Anyway, what you pulled out for for me, that's a reminder of something I've been thinking about is our reactions to our responses give us the opposite of what it is that we want. So, you know, you might see, um, you might be polyamorous and you see your partner with someone else and your jealousy comes up. And so you think I'm going to spend less time with my partner because that's maybe what I need to do to handle these feelings. And so I'm, I'm going to be distant. I'm, I'm going to, you know, inundate myself with new dates and new people when really maybe what you really want is affirmation. You really want to spend more time with your partner because you want to, you know what I'm saying? Um, affirm y'all's closeness, affirm the relationship that y'all have developed with each other. But your visceral response, the jealousy coming up or the frustration or the, the fear or the sadness, you think I need to handle this alone and I need to do this somewhere else and I need to put it somewhere else. And this is not something I want to bring to them because I want to honor that they could do what they want. And I want to prove to them and to myself that I am not this jealous, sad person or that I'm not controlling, right? When really it's like, I need you to hold me. And it's so vulnerable. And that piece too is a little uncomfortable for us. It's so vulnerable to say, I know. I, I And, and the, 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 the cognitive dissonance and the conflict, the internal conflict of like, I know that theoretically I support you doing what you want. Why am I bitter that you went out to dinner last night with somebody who I think is amazing? And I just think sometimes we have to just honor the feeling that is. And instead of trying to pathologize and do all the work, I am feeling a little jealous. And while I may think I don't need you to hold me or I may think that I don't want to be close to you, can we try us doing some aftercare maybe when you come from a date or or can you can I get a kiss, you know, when you return home at some point, you know, whatever it is that you need. But sometimes I just want to call out, you know, like I I do see us as human beings um, sometimes react to the feeling that comes up and our reaction sometimes gives us the opposite of what it is that we truly desire. Um, and this happens romantically, but also outside of romance. Um, I can think of a direct example, one that I experienced, which was um, my aunt had got mad at my little cousin. And because I surprised everyone, folks weren't really prepared for me to to be home again. And um, they were um, 
they she got mad at my little cousin and that made my little cousin not be able to sleep in the same bed as her because she was like I, I need my space you annoyed me um but that meant that I also had to leave because I didn't want to displace my little cousin from her room or have her sleeping on the couch or something like that um and um yeah that that was interesting because my aunt clearly missed me she was like texting me and you know like hey where you at and I'm like listen your response to your frustration made it so that I no longer wanted to be at the house because I didn't want to be an inconvenience like I know that that's my room but also it's not right now (laughs) you know um and yeah um our reactions to our feelings sometimes um, just give us the opposite of what it is that we desire. And so I think the journey of centering yourself means really interrogating who you are, why you're responding the way that you are, and if that reaction to what you did is actually giving you the response you're looking for and, and to learn what is the response I'm looking for? What do I actually need in this moment? Yeah, um, there were two things that you were naming that feel really important um, to me. One. I'm, yeah, as I'm connecting what you were naming around the vulnerability needed to to name actually our needs. And I'm just, as you were naming that, I was like, oh, it would be a very interesting practice for when I feel um, like I, I know that there's a need there or I know that there's something that I'm trying to locate if I went to the most, like the softest, most vulnerable, most, you know, cause well, I have been socialized in a world where vulnerability, like being vulnerable, being like really soft is, is sort of, um, sort of identified with childishness, you know, like it's identified with like, I guess, innocence and like not being able to care for yourself and not having power when, you know, we understand the reality of vulnerability is that takes so much strength and power to like say, I need this. But anyway, I'm just thinking about like, oh, and in the future, if there is a moment where I'm like trying to locate my need, if I were to do an exercise of trying to locate the like softest, most childish, most, most vulnerable need that could potentially exist and ask myself, is this a, is this a possibility? And just sort of move up from there. Because I think the autopilot that I am in, that is sort of vulnerability averse says like, oh, it couldn't be, you know, something as silly as just wanting to spend time with someone you know, it it has to be something more logical, something more, you know, whatever. Um, so I wonder how um, approaching those moments where I'm trying, where I'm, there was there's a dis- disconnect between um, feeling a disruption and naming a need happens. Like if going to the softest, most vulnerable, most needy, most like, oh, why would it be this thing could be a helpful starting point. Um, and I think the other thing that I that I was thinking about, or, or the other thing that I was thinking about was just like, um, 
I, one thing that I was naming with my partner this weekend, it's the weekend right now. So maybe this past week, um, we were having a conversation and everyone in my life is very strong, very strong-minded, strong opinion, um, also brilliant. Like everyone in my life is this way. Um, and I, you know, I believe it to be so because I also am that way in, in, in many ways. And also what I have been noticing and like just put language to this past week with my partner is like oftentimes in conversation when you know sort of emotional uh, emotions rise and like folks sort of hit a fever pitch or like it, it's feeling very charged with a loved one who had who is is a strong one I will just like lay down and die and be like okay well let's yep that I sure I you know my thoughts my opinions can't have much weight here or it doesn't um it does not I don't know like my essentially I guess my feelings don't matter enough to like continue the the chargedness of this moment um, and this week I had a, in, in a conversation with my partner, I like observed that feeling and like sat with it as I, you know, already named er- a bit earlier how I do and like just persisted and like, was like, well, no, here is what I'm saying. And that like really shifted the conversation, um, and opened up like other ways for, us to be in relationship to the topic that we were talking about. And um, it was in that moment that I realized how often I do that in conflict with a loved one where I already am feeling very like tentative about the fact that we're in conflict. And then for it to be not only conflict, but conflict that in a, in a certain moment is like especially charged. I'm just like, bitch, I, I don't have any more. But being able to witness that moment, honor it, reground with myself and still offer whatever the thing is that I need to name or the thing is that I need to like bring to this loved one um, has literally in just this week has helped in... um, I don't know, just moving, moving conflict forward. I think a lot of, a a lot gets just cut off when, you know, everyone is at a 20 and everyone is just like, this is no longer worth it. But if there's the ability to be like, okay, I feel myself at a 12, I'm naming that I feel myself at a 12. And I'm going to pause for a second to reground with me. I'm going to go get some water. I'm going to just sit here in silence for a moment, but I still want to continue this conversation. Are you still willing to continue this conversation? Are you still able to be present with me as I gather my thoughts, as I gather myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, there's so much more that can be moved through, um, 
um, as I've experienced it um, when, when I'm able to do that. So I, that feels like a really impo- important practice of um, recovering from codependency, frankly, because what the hurdle was for me before and continues to be, but I think I'm more aware of how um, how harmful it is in my life when I don't press past the barrier, press past the hurdle, but the barrier is often that like, someone is feeling upset and I don't want that person to feel any more upset at me. So I'm just going to relinquish whatever my need was around naming and around figuring out with this person and processing because I don't want them to feel bad anymore. Um, So yeah, I just think about how codependency recovery is really tied up into my practices of self-centering as well. Yes, um, I appreciate you naming that. I think it's so important, especially for Black people, to not give up on each other in the midst of conflicts. I think if in the middle of the conflict, you recognize that people don't honor your humanity or don't see you or the your relationship as worth it is one thing, but hardships, difficulties, tough moments like being at your capacity is not always an indicator that you can't work through whatever is happening, but that you have immediate needs that need to be met in order for you to continue to work through that. And I love that 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 reflection you're offering people, which is that like you may feel at capacity, you may you may have a hard time right now, but maybe what you need is not to say I can't talk about this ever again. But that like we will have to revisit this. I have many friends who need to talk about things multiple times. And it's not because they're trying to beat a dead horse, but because they are processing in time with new information. Things can shift and can change. Um, and and we can honor that, I think. And, and also honor like, hey, were you telling me that this was your perspective at this time influenced how I showed it? You know, there's so many variables to conflict. Um, and it does take a lot of work and a lot of energy to um, to process through that. Um, I think, too, even what you hear in the middle of conflict is important. Um, I wrote down in one of my notes, uh, when you when you think to yourself, do you hear the voices of people you know or in their voice or in your voice. And that may seem a little disconnected, but I'm thinking about like being in the middle of conflict and being like, damn, I really am like annoying or like I really am like affirming some of the negative speak that I've heard about me. Um, and I hear it in my voice. So I think that it's my thoughts, but it's not. <laughs> like, actually this is not mine. And navigating conflict with this person is not hard because of what they're doing but because of my past experiences that are now showing up and I need to take a break in a moment to have a one-on-one with me and say hey I know my brain is trying to help me to the best of its ability but some of your tactics to helping me are not helping me they're hurting me and so I'm going to put down what this ex and this bully told me so that I can actually hear what someone is saying in this moment so I can listen to what they're, so I can maybe say, 
am I annoying? Am I annoying person or are you overstimulated? Does this overstimulate you, right? So that we can work through that conflict together. So I really appreciate you um, naming that. I know you had to go and you were short on time. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad that we got to give some of these tips and tricks and like practices that that mean well for us. Was there any last words you wanted to offer or song? Um, well, I'm I'm just waiting to see if folks have questions and things like that. Um I so one person said reparenting myself. Okay. Reparenting myself. Also, y'all, bear with me. I'm doing this without my glasses, without my eyes. Reparenting myself, I'm learning a lot of the voices in my head are others. Mm. Child. Child, and it's it gets real wild when you're like specifically this person, specifically <laughs> that person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, in going home, I was talking to my mom, and I said, "I don't want to hear anything about my weight. Mm. Now that I've gained weight." But it's my main worry when given the opportunity to go home because I couldn't afford to surprise my sister with something that my parents decided to do um, to as a gift to my sister, um, which is like a really rare treat, okay? Um, but I was like, my first thought was like, oh, I do not want to hear about my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's no, and this is an honest, this is honest, kind of wanting to say something about phobic. Um, but I thought to myself, like, there's no way for me to starve myself or to work out to get smaller in time. I'm going to have to show up in this body and I don't want to hear anything about it. Yeah. So I said that to my mama and I, and I, I mean, once I got it out, I said, Ooh, maybe that's not even for you. And she said, I was just going to say that. She said, I, and I was like, yeah, I need to actually tell my aunt that cause she's the one. And she said, that's exactly what I was going to say, because we don't do that. You know, you look how you look and 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 I wish somebody would say something about what you look like. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was true. It wasn't it wasn't from my mom a lot. And, and my mom said to me, she said that that means a lot that you thinking about coming home as much as you want to come, you know, home and and, and be back here that that is the first thing you're thinking about is what that person is going to say about what you look like. It really speaks to how, and she didn't use this word, but how traumatizing hearing reflections about your body is. And I was just like, Ooh, child, who knew, you know? Um, So yes, those voices in our head, sometimes they, sometimes we respond to the wrong people. You know, we think the general statement, oh, I need to tell everybody. Um, but actually you need to tell the person who you know is gonna say something. Um and, and also like I think that, you know, as the more practice the better, frankly. So like even if you do say it to the wrong person a few times, mm-hmm. you know, fuck it. Maybe they're now on your team and they're able to help you communicate that more readily. Um, but yeah, I think that. Eventually we find out who it's for, um, that you sharing that also makes me think of, I was looking over, so I started this journal in January 
that is specific to my relationships, the relationships in my life, which feels really important as a poly person for me to have one place where I'm thinking about my platonic relationships, my romantic relationships, my like more casual relationships, be they, you know, sexual or platonic, whatever, just so I can sort of triangulate the fucking patterns that are happening all in one place. And, um, in the first entry, I was writing about being on a plane with my partner and like asking them, like thinking about and being really ashamed of the idea of me, like rolling up my shirt and asking my partner to rub my stomach. And the first voice that I wrote about that, like, I felt shame about was like literally this phrase that my mom, that like that, a phrase that would absolutely come out of my mother's mouth. And, um, it was so wild because when I actually ended up asking them, like rolling up my shirt on this plane and asking them to roll my belly, like it was exactly what I needed. And like, I was like, wow, if I had listened to that voice, that was my mother's voice. If I had listened to my shame, that probably in some way was connected to that voice of my mother, I wouldn't have had that need, need met. So yeah, just really thinking about how powerful those voices that we internalize and that eventually sometimes become our own really are as hindrances to like us getting our needs met. Period. And I wanted to read what somebody said in the comments. Marion said, I've always thought I had an issue with dealing with conflict Mm -hmm. and confrontation because I thought I was weak-minded, but it was more about my past lived experiences and voices of bullies showing up. It feels good to name that. And I'm happy you got to name that as well. I find it really hard actually to hear other people's voices in my head, which is why I try to articulate the impact of language and words to the people around me because I can't not, the way my brain works is that I'll hear something about myself and I'll repeat it. And unfortunately, I'm more wired to repeating the negative things in my head so I can hear the cadence, but it sounds like it's my voice. And so that's really hard to process hearing such hateful, negative things in your voice because you feel like you're embodying and sometimes you might embody those thoughts, those negative, that negative speak when it's really not yours to hold it's somebody else's, you know? Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to name for yourself that it's not actually you as a person, but some of your past issues mm-hmm. um, that, that have impacted your relationship to conflict. Yeah. Um, the song that's on my heart is, is our theme song. Um, Period. All my niggas in here gonna be all right. I said all my niggas in here gonna be all right. I said all my niggas in here, y'all gonna be all fucking right. Just keep living, stop tipping and dipping. That end part tickles me so much. (laughs) <laughs> every time I sing it I'm like damn Andrew Caldwell really blocked me on Instagram I hate that he did that wow you are sad. number one fan 
such a lover of his of his um ministry hallelujah truly um yeah i appreciate you ja um and i absolutely am praying for and holding all the folks who are in the space all those who may watch this who support us um that y'all get y'all needs met, that y'all get cared for, and that if you are somebody who needs to be, you know, um, shown up for in a way, especially within conflict, that you're able to witness that in your lifetime, to get affirmed for you, to ask for the things that you need, including in conflict, even and outside of it, of course. Um, that your universe and your ancestors continue to hold you, to keep you, and to protect you um, from hurt, harm, and, and danger, um, and that they hold you in the event that any of those unfortunate things happen. You are worthy of love, of care, of affirmation, of all your needs, spoken and unspoken, to be met, the needs you didn't even know existed to be met. Hallelujah. Um and that, yeah, you you just are able to have a really beautiful Sunday. And I thank you on behalf of all my niggas said um, for being present with us on this divine Sunday. Um, and yeah, continue to support us, spread the word and, and wishing you well. Amen. 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 Later, nigga.